having learned last time that Pastor David really didn't like to eat beets as a kid, today we're going to learn much more about what we should be hungry for. Here's Pastor David. If he was here today, if Jesus was here, and of course the Holy Spirit is here, but if Jesus was here and you came up to him and said, Lord, I want to follow you, and he said, okay, first, what would the next sentence be? First, I want you to give up this thing. For how many of us would we walk away when that came? Or would it be so difficult? Or would it be so sorrowful? It's easy to find where these things are in your life, by the way. It's not difficult. You want to you ferret them out? You want to look for them? All you have to ask yourself is, what do you avoid in Scripture? What makes you uncomfortable when you're reading Scripture? Is it the scriptures that talk about God's design for sexuality? Is it the scriptures that talk about money? Scriptures that talk about food? Forgiving others? Loving your enemies? The ones that talk about anger? The ones that talk about showing mercy? Where is it? Where is it where you go, "Mm, let's go on to the next verse. That probably was for them at that time. If you're anywhere in scripture, if you're doing backflips, to try to find an interpretation that, that feels better to you, you're rubbing up against something. You're rubbing up against something. Wherever you feel yourself pushing back against Christ, that's where your desires are broken. That's where your hungers are off base. We know what the Scripture says about all these things, Right? We know what the scripture says about sex, about lying, about gossip, about giving our money, right? We're like, 10%? That was probably for somebody else. They didn't understand percentages back then. (laughs) We know what it says. We know what it says about marriage, about our priorities. Now, which one of these things tastes like beets to you, right? Which one of these things is difficult to stomach? If I'm honest... I'll tell you, I, I, I do hunger and thirst for righteousness. But that doesn't mean I don't struggle. It doesn't mean I don't struggle. It doesn't mean that I do not have some upside-down desires still that I struggle with that need to be turned right side up. I read and study the Sermon on the Mount, and I get broken down just straight to the soul. It breaks me down because some of it, still tastes like beets to me. I wish I could say it was all chocolate ice cream. But when I read the Sermon on the Mount, some of it still tastes like beets, and that breaks me down. That breaks me down. Because I'm not hungry for beets. And I need to be hungry. I need to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So I don't. I don't always hunger and thirst for righteousness. Sometimes I hunger and thirst for my own sinful desires. It's why I have to study Jesus' words. It's why we have to study Jesus' words. Someone one time uh, suggested that C.S. Lewis did not care enough about the Sermon on the Mount. He wrote a lot of stuff, and somebody said, you don't care enough about the Sermon on the Mount. This is what he said. He said, as to caring for the Sermon on the Mount, if caring for here means liking or enjoying, I suppose no one cares for it. Who can like being knocked flat on his face by a sledgehammer? 
I can hardly imagine a more deadly spiritual condition than that of the man who can read that passage with tranquil pleasure. If we're reading through this and it isn't rubbing up against you, you have either gone a very long way in your spiritual life or you're not reading the same thing I am because it bumps up against us. Lewis is just being honest. He knows he doesn't always hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when he's called out and turned right outside up by the Sermon on the Mount, sometimes it hurts. Like getting hit in the face with a sledgehammer. We cannot hunger and thirst for something that we do not want. We cannot hunger and thirst for something we do not want. But here's the really good news. The beauty is that there's transformation in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 17 and then 20 through 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then he says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. This is for every visitor who doesn't know Jesus Christ in here today. I implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are new. We don't have to pretend to be hungry for righteousness. Just pretend. It'll just taste like ice cream. You don't have to do that. You don't have to pretend. God is working in us to change our desires. He's working in you to transform your affections if you're in him. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who's working? He's working in you. You don't have to pretend to like it and force yourself into it. You just have to hunger and thirst for it, and he'll fill you. He'll change you. He'll transform you. He'll do the work. You can't do it yourself. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. Doesn't work. He has to come and transform you. You have a new and alive spirit from your dead spirit. He's transforming you. He's transforming you. You can hunger and thirst for righteousness because Christ is working in you to change your hungers, to change your desires, to change your affections. Those things are changing. If you've been in Christ long, you should have experienced by now some of these changes in your desires. I used to think when I was younger, my mom's going to be mad. I used to think when I was younger that giving up getting drunk on the weekends by following Christ was going to be unbearably boring. That life was just going to be like, what are you going to do if you're not drinking with your buddies? But God changed my hunger. He changed my desires. And guess what? I'm not bored. I'm not bored. I have way more fun now than I used to 
And bonus, no hangovers, which is nice because those are terrible. I used to have all kinds of hungers and affections that were off base. I don't have all day for this sermon or I'd start listing them for you. But God has transformed me. God has changed my desires. It's not like I was able to change my desires. I trusted him. I hungered and thirsted for righteousness. He came in and did the work. He who began the work in me has been faithful to be completing it until that day. I still have a long way to go. I still have a long way to go, but this verse is so powerful to me. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you're going to be blessed, and you're going to be filled. I truly want righteousness. I want to know God's will, and I want to live in it. Is there anything more satisfying, more peace-giving than when God reveals his will to you for your life and you walk in it? There's nothing like it. If you've never had the experience of God saying, this is the job for you. This is the way that you should go. That is the way you should go. And then walking in that. There's nothing so fulfilling as that. I want that. I want righteousness. I want to be like Christ. I want more of him in my life. And I need to want more and more and more and more. Jesus Christ tells us that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. You're going to be full. The best time to be hungry, I've found, is right before you're going to eat something delicious. Right? You know how your mom used to say, don't have too many snacks. It'll ruin your appetite. It'll ruin your appetite. And I'd be thinking, are we having liver and beets tonight? Because that ruins my appetite. But there's something to that. We have to maintain our hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know when you smell something delicious, like cookies baking, or like, or like bread baking, or some, some amazing smell? You know how you, you start to get hungry, maybe salivate just a little bit? That aroma draws our hunger. That aroma draws out our hunger, and we need to be surrounded. We need to surround ourselves with the aroma of righteousness if we want to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. We have to be. If we are snacking on sin, we're going to ruin our appetite for righteousness. But if you are reading God's word, if you're surrounding yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are thinking about Jesus, thinking about how blessed you are, thinking about how happy you are, thinking about what salvation means to you, thinking about being dead and now being alive. We sing amazing grace, being blind and now seen, thinking about the glory of that. Boy, the aroma of righteousness is going to be in the air and you're going to want more of it. You're going to hunger for it and thirst for it. And he's going to fill you because he tells us that he will. Now I can tell you one thing about my God, what he promises he does. Every time. So if he tells you that you're blessed, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, and that you're going to be filled, that's what's going to happen. So surround yourself with the aroma of righteousness, and that hunger, you're going to start salivating for righteousness. You're going to want it, and you're going to, you're going to, fill it. You're going to be filled with it. So test your appetite for righteousness a little bit. I want you to think about sitting on that porch swing when you're 100 years old, okay? And looking back 
on your life. You're 100 years old and you're looking back. What would you rather see? Be honest with yourself. Would you rather see a life that was constantly growing, that was constantly being filled with righteousness, that was constantly being more and more in the will of God? Or would you rather see a life that was filled with money or sex or power or pride? Because looking back, I think very few of us would say, yeah, we want those. We want the money. We want to make sure, when we're 100 years old, we're going to care about what kind of car we drove. No, you're going to be thinking, I'm going to care about whether or not I've wasted my life or whether or not I've been putting rewards in heaven. At 100 years old, that's the only thing that's going to matter because nothing else is going to work, right? Everything's going to hurt. If it hurts at my age, boy, it's going to hurt then. None of that stuff's going to matter. But when we're looking forward, are we living for that moment on the porch swing? As you make your decision throughout the day, are you saying, I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness because that's the only moment to be filled so that when I look back, it's going to be right? Or do you go, I want, I want, I hunger, I thirst, need more romance, need more more likes on Facebook, need more uh, you know, time off to, to hang out and sit around, need more football, need more whatever. None of these things are necessarily bad things. But if that's what you're hungering and thirsting for, and Jesus is back over here, you're missing it. You're missing it. And when you look back, you're not going to be happy with it. The person who will truly be blessed is the person that's been being filled with righteousness. If there's anything you want more than Jesus Christ, you got a problem. Rich young ruler had a problem. But if that's the case for you, I got an easy way to fix it. Ask Jesus. Ask Jesus to change your heart. You can't do it by yourself. Don't try to will yourself. Don't white knuckle yourself into wanting righteousness. Don't sit there and try to choke down beets and tell yourself it's chocolate ice cream. Ask Jesus to make it chocolate ice cream to you. Ask him to change your desires. Ask him to stir your affections for him and for his righteousness. Wake up in the morning and say, God, make me want you more today. Make me need you more, want you more, hunger for you more, thirst for you more, want to be in your will. Make me not think about what I'm against, but what I'm for. Make me not go around looking at other people and the things that they do wrong and getting worked up about that, but rather leading them not towards these things that are breaking them, but towards you. Wake up in the morning. Say, God, stir my affections for you. Have mercy on me, a sinner, and show me how to love you as much as I can. Give all of it to me. I know that I'll be blessed if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, so give me a hunger and give me a thirst because I want your blessing. I want more of it. I want you to fill this cup, and I want you to just fill it and fill it and fill it. I want all that you have to give. Why, Why do we go after these other things in the world that give us, at best, very temporary pleasures when Christ is offering everything? And we're like, no, I know better. I know better. This temporal thing, I need this right now, Lord. You just don't understand. You just don't know me. You don't know what I need. And he's like, here's everlasting blessing if you just want to walk over here. We're like, I don't know about that. Ask him to make you want it. 
Ask him to change your affections. Ask him to transform you to desire his will. To desire righteousness. Let everything else in life be nothing compared to knowing Jesus. All the things that we think are important, they may be valuable, they may be good, but they are nothing compared to knowing Jesus. The more our hearts, affections, and our hunger is for righteousness, the more we can enjoy everything else that God has given us. The more you're going to enjoy your wife or your husband or your kids or your car or your house or the blessings that God's given you, the more that you have your affection for him and get it and get that right, get that vertical relationship right with him, the more you can enjoy those other things. The less problems that you're going to have in your relationships, less problems you're going to have with your fears, less problems you're going to have with everything, the more you have affection for him. But the more you're looking down here at all these temporal things, the more that you're snacking on all of that, the less you're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The less you're going to have time to even think about Jesus. You're too focused on fixing everything yourself. This is what Paul says in, in Philippians 3, 7 through 14, the Holy Spirit through Paul. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. All these things... I count as rubbish, as garbage, as trash that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? All this stuff. Paul was, when you want to count up checklists, Paul was the man. Circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, the Pharisee of Pharisees. Completely, as to the law, as to the checklist, checking them all. Right? He checked them all off. He was all of that. And he's saying, all those things that I could use for my own stature among men and women, the things that I could use to, to look good in the world, the, the possessions, the, the whatever, I count all that stuff as garbage compared to knowing Christ. So that my whole life is about pressing toward that prize. The prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's where I want to go. That's what I'm going to think about. That's what I'm going to ask God to make my affections for. That's what it's about. And in doing so, I get to experience everything else. You reach for heaven, and the earth gets thrown in. You reach for the earth, you get neither the earth nor heaven. C.S. Lewis says something like that. Righteousness is not a place to go on a diet. You got a hunger. You got a thirst for righteousness. You got to be strong and passionate in those desires. And let God fill you, because everything else 
that we know is worthless in comparison, in comparison to Jesus Christ who saved you. Now, if you don't know Jesus, today's the day. Today is the day for you to know him. Church is not some place that we have all come today to check off a list to get to heaven, just so you know. We're here because we want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're here because we love you. Those who don't know Christ who are in this room today, we love you. We love Jesus. We want more of him. We want you to have more of him. We want you to have life in him. We want you to know him to be saved from your sin. We want your spirit to be made new. We want you to be a new creation in Christ Jesus, to have life, to have life. This is what Jesus says in John 10, 9 through 11. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Listen, people say, what's the meaning of life? What's life about? Look, you don't even know what life is. Forget what it's about. You don't even know what life is unless you're in Christ. You want to see the lights come on in your soul? You want to see your spirit go from death to life? Starts with knowing Jesus. You wonder why you struggle You wonder why you don't understand who you are. You wonder why you're confused. You wonder why it doesn't make sense. You wonder why you're scared. You wonder why when this politician says this or when that natural disaster does that or whatever, that you shake and you have fear. You want to know what it looks like to be strong and confident. You got to know Christ. Because whatever you think about yourself, however many boxes you think you've checked off, let me just tell you, you're not good. You're not good. You're not holy. You're not perfect. And you can't be in community with a perfect God when you're imperfect. But Jesus Christ has bridged the gap. Jesus Christ died on a cross and shed his blood for you. Shed his blood for you that you might be saved. Shed his blood for you so that you could know him, so that you could hunger and thirst for righteousness, so that you could be in his will, so that he could change you, so that he could transform you. That's here for you today if you want it. And we'd love for you to have it. That's right. We would love for you to know Jesus. And that can happen right now. Just tell him you believe in him, ask him to forgive your sins and be your Lord and Savior, and he will. And if you're still not sure about all this or have questions, please call us at 360-885-9000. We would love to help you find peace and hope in Christ. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out our next episode for much more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.